Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. My name is Alex Henry, and I'm joined with Tori Haberl. What's up, guys? And a lot is happening. We're coming off a break. Uh, go listen to our last episode, by the way, because we talk about a lot of up and coming fights and just pound for pound rankings and a lot of good things in UFC in general. So definitely go check that out. But this week we have UFC Paris tied to a ver- tied to Ivasa versus Cyril Very excited to talk about that. And we got some other stuff which we're going to open with just talking about basic MMA news, right? Yeah. So the daily one news fight, that comes out. Exactly. So one fight that we talked about in the last podcast was Sean Strickland versus Jared Cannonier. And that fight, um, Dana White said, isn't happening. I guess. Sean Strickland has something wrong with his finger, a finger infection, and they're not even going to find Jared Cannonier a new opponent. They're just scrapping the fight, Tori. What do you think about this? Um, I'm disappointed. I was really excited to see this fight. I mean, I really like both dudes. Um, almost like a fight. They both lost. I said this before just to kind of see who's still in it. Um, it would it would have just been exciting. I mean, who doesn't like to see Sean Strickland in the cage just constantly just talking? non-stop talking I, I some people hate it I love it I think he's really entertaining Jared Cannonier has a very entertaining fight style obviously not in the past fight that we saw with Israel Adesanya but usually he puts out a great show so I was really excited for this fight and I'm bummed because other than the title fight or actually I don't know it just there's the Vittori fight obviously we'll talk about that later and then there's the um there is a championship fight but there's just not much going on in this division so that just would have been another fun thing to occur but you know, things happen. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually got excited for this fight, too. So, I hope that this is still a fight that UFC tries to make, even if they find Jared Cannonier an opponent for another event. This was going to be a fight night main event. So, even if they find him an opponent for another event, make this fight happen, like, next. Because that would actually be a really entertaining fight, uh, stylistically, I think, too. thousand percent, yeah. Other fights that are being made, supposedly, this isn't confirmed, but... Jake Paul, the YouTube boxer, is supposed to be fighting Anderson Silva. Dana White said he doesn't care, but he likes the fact that Jake Paul is taking on a real opponent. And we don't talk about boxing regularly on here, so don't expect that. But it's Anderson Silva, which is arguably the greatest UFC fighter of all time. Yeah. Of course, we're going to talk about this. So, Tori, what do you think about this fight? Uh... I'm not mad at it, but I mean, obviously this is like an argument that a lot of people say. It's just, I'm not even going to disown Jake Paul because this man's working hard. He's training, you know, he's becoming a boxer. You can't even say he's not a boxer because he's in the gym every day training, working hard, but he needs to stop talking and he needs to fight a boxer like Anderson Silva. I guess he's been in boxing, but this man's what in his forties had a great career. Once again, a veteran of the MMA sport. And so it's just going to add to his talking about mixed martial arts. Now the fighters aren't that great when he's just fighting these retired fighters that have gone through their prime and have gone through their career. So, I mean, it's all right. It's money fight for Anderson Silva. Good for him. Um, If the fight does make money, who knows if it will make money. I don't know, but you know, props to both of them. It's, it'll be cool. I personally, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to pay for it, but I mean, it'll, it's an interesting fight. I, I like seeing Anderson Silva fight. So hopefully we can see him beat Jake Paul. I well, I guarantee if this fight happens, it'll sell. And I hate it, but I can't blame Anderson Silva because the UFC yeah. kills their legends. Like, 
I was listening to a, a YouTuber I really, really like who I'd like to have on this podcast. That'd be really cool. But um, uh, he was talking about how in the NBA, when Kobe Bryant announced his final season, everybody recognized Kobe Bryant's a GOAT and they worshipped him. And even his last game was such a memorable thing. It's Anderson Silva, it was just loss, 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 loss. Oh, your contract's over. Bye. Yeah. And, like, that's sad. And it's even sad yeah. that now, who is arguably the best UFC fighter of all time, has to fight Jake Paul. But at least that's something for him. And he, he has boxed. He's He boxed he outside out of UFC. Team. He knocked out Tito. And he fought a legitimate boxer and beat him, too. So... Obviously, his age is a huge factor, and Jake Paul's a legitimate boxer. But I don't know how to feel. I guess I don't know how to feel. Yeah, very in between. I mean, it's just almost like a nothing to be said. Just like, well, there's another fight that got made for Jake Paul with a retired veteran. Like, let's exactly. see how this goes. Exactly. Just like, yeah, there's not much to say. I mean, money fight. Hopefully, makes some good money. But back to that veteran thing that you said. I mean, it's so it's so true. It's almost kind of sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it with Demetrius Johnson. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. They still talk bad about him. I was watching a video about Dana White just saying how he was boring, blah, blah. When this man is probably one of, if not, is still on a great run, just just won a lightweight title. I mean, lightweight title again in one championship. And Dana White was like, he's not entertaining, blah, blah. The way that they just kind of like, kind of pick and choose their stars and they don't really recognize the true, true, true um, veterans and goats of the sport. It's kind of sad. So it's sad that they do have to do stuff like this. But, you know, money fight. Hopefully Anderson takes the W. Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely be Jake Paul's toughest fight. Whether Anderson Silva's 60 years old, that dude is arguably the best striker to ever touch a mat. So it's going to be a tough fight. Talking about a fight that did get made for next weekend's card, UFC 279, Shamaya versus Diaz. Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez got added to this card. Initial reaction was thank God because this card was so boring and it still is, but at least it's got a little bit of pepper. Uh, so Tori, what do you think about this fight? I'm excited. I mean, who doesn't like to see Kevin Holland? He's a crack up. He's so entertaining and he's doing good. He's doing well in the welterweight division. Hopefully he takes W next weekend. I mean, and maybe title contention. You never know. It's Kevin Holland. He is very popular for the fans and for the people. Um, almost just like another filler thing, I guess. I mean, it's almost just like the name value because his opponent obviously doesn't have much name value. Um, almost like the Tony, but I mean, true MMA fans know the leech, but it's, I'm excited. It's another fight. So it makes it a little more interesting to watch. Cause I was for the first time ever, I was debating on buying a pay-per-view and mm. I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend money on this fight just cause it's not something that really entertains me. It's not something where the winner's really going to go anywhere. It's just kind of, they're still kind of going to remain the same. So it's something more interesting added to the card, but, um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't like to see Kevin Holland or watch or listen to Kevin Holland? He's awesome. Yeah, I 100% agree. I love Kevin Holland. I think the really cool thing is that I'm looking at is Kevin Holland's ranked 18th. I know that UFC doesn't really make strength, strict rankings off of after like the top 15. But on the current website I'm at, Kevin Holland's at 18. Daniel Rodriguez is at 19. So this fight's almost like an entry into the top 15 kind of fight almost, which I think is good. And I think it's a good matchup for Kevin Holland, which is who I'd want to win. So I am excited for that fight. If you want to hear our UFC 279 breakdowns, you want to hear what we really, really think about Jemayev and Diaz? Watch next week. Watch next week. I mean, that's what what we're going to be talking about, Um, which I am excited to talk about. 
not necessarily very excited for the card, but um, a card I am actually excited for. And I heard some people are not excited for this card, Tori. I'm very excited for this card. I know people didn't like this card. But Saturday, September 3rd, in Paris, France, we got Taito Ivasa taking on Cyril Gon for fight night. We're going to be breaking down all the fights from prelims to main card. UFC needs to make up their mind. If you're yes. listening to this, UFC matchmakers, yes, figure out the stinking matches before we record our podcast every yes. Wednesday because it is so difficult trying to figure out and organize these fights. For and all we know, some stuff could be off the card by this is on top. So for all we know, we might cover a fight that's not even happening. Yeah. Like a whole like 10 minute breakdown and it doesn't even happen. So oh, but we're gonna one. get yeah, if we're getting into our breakdowns. Anyway, the first fight on the card is Stephanie Ager versus Alan Perez. Um, Stephanie Ager, good grappler, has real power. She likes to go for takedowns. She uses a lot of judo, which I think is cool. Uh, but she really likes to grapple. She's coming off a loss from an arm bar, but she didn't tap. So it kind of goes to show how her how tough she is, especially yeah. for a female fighter, because oh. they tap a lot, like yeah. very easily. I mean, not to say that guys don't either if they get in a real tight hold but it's more often for them to tap out real quick um her opponent Alain Perez making her UFC debut has one loss on a record but it comes from an illegal strike so technically undefeated if you want to look at it that way um but what from what I've watched she likes to strike and she likes to grapple even more she uses her size whether it's through her jab to muscle her opponents to the ground and she looks like she can be really really good and I'm hoping that the pressure of this card doesn't like affect her UFC debut. Especially I think they're both the good. Yeah. I think they're both good on the ground. So I guess it comes down to who I think the better wrestler is. Like I said, I like Alain Perez. I'm excited for her, but I don't think she's going to win. And I got to give it to Stephanie, the UFC fighter currently, who's going to kind of just be more ready. And I think she is a better grappler. Yeah, um, recently with UFC debuts, we've kind of seen some of these newer fighters freeze up a little bit, maybe get nervous in front of the big crowd. And so you just never know, especially if the stats, when you look at both of them, they're already kind of iffy if she's not very dominant in one area or in the other. And um, it just seems like a pretty kind of even matchup. So I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go eager on this one. Just not even the veteran, just the more experienced. Sometimes it's just you get the benefit. You've been there. You know what to expect. and I just, I, I see her coming out the win. I don't, I'm, I just think it might be too much for Perez, especially being the opener in Paris for the first fight night. I mean. Yeah, it's tough. That's a, that's a tough card to make your UFC debut on. So I, uh, I'm still hoping that UFC likes her, even if she does lose. Cause I mean, obviously we'll see after Saturday, but from what I've seen so far, I'm like, she looks like she could be legit. So, but uh, we're both going to go Stephanie here on the first pick next fight on the card. Khaled Taha versus Christian Quinones. Uh Taha, he's a kickboxer. He uses his speed a lot. He switches stances a lot. And he has a surprising power. He's an okay grappler. Uh, he has one win in his last five fights. But his last three opponents were very, very hard opponents. Uh, looking at Christian, he's a great grappler who likes to get it on the ground constantly and always is keeping pressure. He likes to just come in and throw hands. When he gets you, you know, throwing hands a lot, then he takes a shot uh, and gets on the ground. My issue is with that kind of strategy and just how he 
fights in general is he is very sloppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of worries me. Um, with that being said, I will look past his mistakes. I'm taking Christian. I understand Taha has serious power in his strikes, but I think Christian is genuine, like just a harder worker. And I think his constant speed, pressure, volume gets him a win here. Yeah, and especially when you come when it comes to a grappler versus striker matchup, um, this is kind of a fun fact that when I was at UFC 264, I believe, was McGregor versus Pore 3. Um, the heavyweight champion Frank Mir was actually in our suite watching the fight with us, the old ex-heavyweight champion. Um, obviously, jiu-jitsu god was amazing in jiu-jitsu. He said a really interesting quote when it comes to a striker versus a grappler matchup. He said something saying, the python will always choke out the lion before the lion can bite the python. And it made a lot of sense to me, especially when it comes to kind of off track a little bit with Charles Oliveira and his opponents. When it comes to these like mainly strikers and mainly grappler matchups, sometimes I just, I can't help but choose the grappler because anyone can get clipped and go down in fights. Any, like we saw Kamar Usman, the best in the world, you get hit in the right spot, you go down. It, but the thing is, if you get to the floor with a grappler, you're not getting out of that, especially if they are way more talented than you. So I think I'm going to have to go with Quinones on this one as well, just because I thought that was interesting, just because if Todd just doesn't have that amazing ground game, it's, just, it's so hard to get out of it once you get there. And I just think Quinones will be able to do it. So, yeah, I agree. And I really do like that quote, actually. I'm definitely it stealing that. It makes a that. lot of sense. It yes, does make sure. a lot of sense. Uh, the next fight on the card, a good Paris, France name, Benoit Saint-Denis versus Gabriel Miranda. Very generic two first names, Alex Henry type name. Um, Benoit, he's a smart striker uh, who also is really good at wrestling. He looks for shots no matter what. Um, tries to get it on the ground, constantly works for a submission. He's coming off a win with three takedowns and a submission finish in the second round. Uh, Gabriel, he's also a good wrestler with high pace BJJ to couple it. He gets good submissions, but if he doesn't get that, that's kind of it. That's kind of all he has. And that's kind of where my opinion forms on this fight. I think if Miranda gets it on the ground, he could win because he has really, really good BJJ, but it's, it's cage fighting. There's all sorts of combat. It's not old school MMA where you have your one thing that you're really good at and you can win. Uh, Benoit's still a really good striker. He picks his punches perfectly. He times them really good. He has a 100% takedown defense. I mean, that is off of being taken down four times in the MMA, or had had defended four shots. But still, I'm going with Benoit. I think it's the safe pick here. Um, and I think it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Just when it comes almost kind of now, disagree with what I said before kind of when it comes to the straight grapplers like just the mm-hmm. grapple or nothing and we saw it in Ryan Hall's last fight you just kept on looking for that submission looking for that submission it just didn't work and especially against a solid mixed martial arts like Saint Saint Denise Saint Denise um it's just going to be harder especially when he's good kind of in all aspects and plus he's going to be in his home he's going to have he's going to have the crowd supporting him he's going to have the extra support behind him so I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, the only thing I would say if you are betting, because I'm not betting, but, like, if you wanted to, like, I wouldn't lock this fight. Because what if Benoit comes out, he is a wrestler, Mm -hmm. and he wants to take it to the ground. I think that's a bad 
option for him if he does take, try to take it to the ground. Then Gabriel Miranda, he can really dominate in BJJ. I just think, you know, logically, I wouldn't try to take it to the ground, but he is a good wrestler. So if he does, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like his own defeat, I guess, t- sets up his own defeat. Uh, so I would be careful there, but we're both picking Benoit. Mm-hmm. Cool. Next fight, Nazardine Imavov, hard name here, uh, versus Joaquin Buckley, which is a uh, very popular name that you've probably heard before. And if it is, it's because he's the highlight. You know, he's a highlight kickboxer, um, crazy knockout highlights, but he's always throwing these strikes. That's the strikes he throws. Um, comes in solid forward movement and throws a lot, has a lot of power. He's really fast. Uh, ever since he lost, though, he's stepped back, and he doesn't chase his highlights, but he, he throws a little smarter and still maintains that power, still maintains that speed and that volume. Looking at Nazardine, he is a good overall striker. He has great cardio. He has great grappling. He lanes through his grappling, but we saw in his last fight that he wasn't afraid to strike. Look, I like Joaquin here. Um, if you look at Imavov, uh, he only has a 20% takedown accuracy. He doesn't shoot or land a lot of takedowns. I've wrestled. When you wrestle these short, stalky guys like Joaquin is, they're very hard to take down. Yeah. Um, so I don't see Joaquin trying to take it to the ground. So if he can keep it on the feet, he might get a decision, maybe early round knockout here. Um, so I know a lot of people are picking Nazardine, but I am taking Joaquin Buckley. Another one that I'm going to have to agree with you on because Buckley's coming off of, of a performance of the night with an amazing knockout. And I mean, he's on a three fight win streak, just has such power in his hands. And if he can get it done in the early rounds, I'm, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Buckley by knockout. I mean, he just has such power and he's. I, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him to win. He like his name has name value. He's a newer contender in the middleweight division. It's just it's interesting, and I always say this when 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 it just comes to newer stars with the name value, I'm always rooting for them just because there's someone new and there's someone exciting that we can see go up the rankings. There we go. We agree once more on Joaquin Buckley. Next fight is Baras Zaim Zaim, I think, and versus uh, Mikhail. Figlack. So these names on this card are rough. I'm just going to say that. I should have said it yeah. at the beginning. I'm going to say it every UFC podcast, even if they're basic names, because they're hard names to pronounce. They are very hard names to pronounce. Um, <laughs> but looking at ZM, he's a lengthy lightweight. I like using very one. Yeah. yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, uh, and he uses his length well, too. See, the thing yeah. in USC is sometimes just off-topic, Reach doesn't always mean everything because it's not boxing. People don't have to rely on their reach to do stuff. But if the fighter knows how to use their length well, it can help them. ZM is an example. Yeah. So there's guys that definitely know how to use their length, but it's not like if you're a better and you look at paper and you're like, oh, two inch reach, pick him. That's not good because it doesn't work that way in MMA. Easier to take down as well. Yes. hundred percent. So. Anyway, back to the breakdown here. Um, he uses his length really well in his strikes. He likes to clinch. Um, he strikes smart, whether that's his punches or his kicks. He goes in and out, but ultimately, he is a pretty conservative fighter. Mikel is a good grappler. He has a lot of power in his hands. 
He moves forward and throws with a lot of volume. The thing with Figlak's style is he leaves himself open quite often, which is like my only real concern with him. Uh, ZM's a better overall striker because, you know, it's technical versus kind of crazy striker with a lot of power. Um, if Figlak looks to wrestle, I can see him winning in a decision, and I think he will try to wrestle, and I think he will win in the decision. So I'm going with Mikhail Figlak. Figlak, yeah. Um, ZM, he is four and three with submissions, so we have seen him get finished on the floor. We have seen him get controlled. I was looking at the stats earlier. Some of his fights, he has been controlled for a decent amount of them, so I'm going to go Figlak here. Um, he's undefeated. Oh, five out of his eight wins are knockouts. Um, zero and zero submissions. But I mean, if he can't, if he looks to take him down to the floor and control him there, um, I could see him kind of holding him down and just keeping him there for a couple of the rounds. So I'll I'll go Figlock by decision. There we go. Two uh, Figlock picks here. Going on to the next fight, Dustin Stolfis versus Abuspian Magomedov. Um, I'm just going to call him Abus. I Think that's, that was a great pronunciation. I could not have done this. <laughs> appreciate go. it. Um, so yeah, Dustin Solfis, he's a high volume striker, has good power. He also has really good BJJ, and he got a good win two weeks ago. It's the last time he fight. That's the thing with these fight night guys. They eh? you might get to see him quite often because they're trying to make their money, you know. That's yeah. pretty much why, or they love to fight, you know, whatever. Um, Abus is he's good all around, he's a good striker, he has good power. Uh, Good speed. If you couldn't tell by the last name, he's got that Dagestan wrestling background, which I'm pretty sure is a documentary coming out about like the Dagestan wrestling stuff. So if that's true, I am excited. Kind of want to watch that if that's a thing. Um, but he loves to throw a lot of hooks. He's good with his jabs, his crosses. He maintains distance really well. Outside of the UFC, Abus is he's looked like a beast, but the UFC is a whole different beast. So it is hard for me to make this pick. Um, and I think a lot of people are also doubting Dustin. I think Dustin is really, really good. But I'm kind of going to go against my gut. I usually don't like picking the guys who haven't fought in UFC and then they come into UFC, especially versus a guy like Dustin who has has a lot of fights under his belt. But I got to go with a boost here. I mean, he looks really good. Uh, he looked good in PFL. He looked good outside of PFL don't get it twisted. He could lose very bad. And I might just, yeah. you know, that's another Magomedov that I picked that, you know, I only picked based off the name Magomedov. Right. But I really do think he's going to win and I'm taking a boost PN for the win. Yeah. And especially when someone like this has a record of 13 and one with knockouts, 13 knockouts. That's, that's pretty crazy. I mean, how could you not kind of a little bit lean towards him? Um, Dustin has never been finished, so you never know. We might see him get finished. I kind of see that happening a little bit. Um, but I'm going to go with the Magomedov here just because he did look great. I actually did review some of his fights in PFL, and um, he just looked awesome. He just looks powerful and almost unstoppable. I mean, he has been submitted before, so, I mean, Dustin could pull out. A submission because he is five and two with submission. So if he gets to the ground, maybe I can favor Dustin. This is kind of an in-between or almost like a pick him. So I'm not even sure if I can pick. If I were, I would, you know what? I might go different. I might, you know what? I might change a little bit. I might go Dustin. There you go. By I'll say 
submission third round <laughs> i'll say that maybe yeah i'll just just for fun i'll just throw that out there just yeah i like it this is a hard honestly again i'm not betting uh but these all these prelim fights are kind of hard to judge i don't have like i'm looking at them again i really don't have a lock i genuinely do not have yeah. a lock maybe maybe christian Quinones. If that if you were gonna bet on one, that's like I guess the one I'm most confident in. Yeah. But I could see all these fights going the other way on on the uh, prelims here. So, but we disagree on one. So, there's a disagreement. On to the main card. Uh, big name Charles Jordan taking on Nathaniel Wood. Tori, I'll throw it over to you first. What's your breakdown on this fight? Alrighty. First off, I am. Very, 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 very excited for this fight. I am a big Charles Jordan fan. He has become one of my favorite fighters to watch. Just always very entertaining in the octagon, always pushing forward. Very good timing, really quick on the feet. Um, surprisingly, this last fight against Shane Burgos, he did unfortunately lose. Um, it was a close. That last round, though, made it such a close fight. He was controlled for six minutes out of the 15-minute fight. But something crazy is he was controlled for six minutes. He outlanded Shane Burroughs' strikes. I, I think he landed 100 and something significant strikes, like almost by double Shane Burgos. And he was controlled for a third of the fight, which is insane. This man is just always, always throwing, always coming forward. Maybe not the most technical, but just so entertaining to watch. And then we have Wood, who I think is the more technical striker. Um, he's almost like a dirty boxer. He has good power. Striking, it's, it's good not great but it is more if this makes sense it kind of is more technical than charles jordan as when charles jordan goes he just goes non-stop and so um i mean people are kind of leaning towards wood because he does have good control on the ground if it does go to the ground he can keep charles there but i'm gonna go with my favorite here i'm gonna go with jordan just because how could you not go with jordan you just never know with this man he is constantly moving constantly throwing has a really good jab and just such amazing output when it comes to strikes, just non-stop. And so, you know what? I'm I'm going to go with Jordan. I think it's going to go a decision, but I'm confident in him, and I, I think he can get it done. No, that was a really good breakdown. I also like Charles Jordan in this fight. You know, you mentioned he likes to come in and throw a lot, whether it's punches, kicks, spinning attacks, you name it. He's fast. He sets up all of his shots, and he has a really good chin. From what we've seen so far, you know, you talked about his loss where, you know, he did throw a hundred more strikes than Shane and he was controlled on the ground. Just goes to show how tough he is. He is really, truly tough. Nathaniel Wood, which by the way, why is it not just Woods? You know, who, who made his family heritage and couldn't have just put the S at the end? I just feel like Nathaniel Wood. Just sounds like so such like, an wood. odd name. Like yeah. Nathaniel Wood. Like, yeah. just Literally. Funny. I just wanted to like say Woods, but it's not Woods. It's Nathaniel Wood. Um, you mentioned, you know, he is a dirty boxer, true boxer, whatever you call it. He's a boxer. He's got really good power on his shots. Um, he's also a good wrestler, like you mentioned, but he has 6.32 strikes per minute. He's also coming off a really good win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'll be more of a striking match, and sure. I think Charles gets the win in that wood might go to wrestle but charles has shown in his last fight he can take it 
he has lost and to other wrestlers. he's still putting output out when he's on the floor. Right, yeah. He, he's lost to other wrestlers before, but after that Shane Burgos fight, I'm like, dude can really win against, or well, not he lost, but he can do good against a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you, you know, you talked about how this fight goes to decision. I think the cardio is huge. Charles Jordan, yes. great cardio. And I think with his striking, his cardio, and his toughness, that gets him the win in this fight. So I will also go Charles Jordan. He's, I'm so excited for this fight. I mean, also Charles Jordan, both of them um, just fought not too long ago. I mean, Wood fought, I believe, on the UFC London card. I might be wrong. I need to double check that. I believe it was UFC London. Charles Jordan just fought um, for the Long Island. So, I mean, these fighters really are nonstop. It's crazy. Yeah, quick turnaround time for sure. Going on to the next fight, William Gomez versus Gennaro Arenas. I probably pronounced that wrong, but Tori, give me your breakdown on this fight. All right, so this is a featherweight bout. We have Gomez, who is 10-2. He Last fight was a win by a knockout in the third round. And then we have Aaron's 13-3 and and one no contest. Um, last fight was a win by decision. And um, for this fight... If it remains standing, I'm going to say Aaron's. He's constantly pressing forward. He is one of those fighters. It's become more of a popular term in the MMA world. He has the dog in him. Just always, just always moving forward. Just never been knocked out, can take shots. Um, always tries to walk down opponents. Almost like Marab constantly moves forward, except striking instead of wrestling. Just constantly, constantly, constantly moving forward. Um, not great takedown defense, though. It has gotten taken down a bunch of times, has gotten held down for a significant amount of time in his past fights. And then we have Gomez, who is has pretty good wrestling. I mean, he's not the best wrestler, but he has, once he gets to the floor, he has really great ground and pound. Um, he throws, he, when he is standing, he'll mix in some kicks. He's an okay striker, more of a counter striker, kind of waits for the other to throw. He definitely usually is not the one throwing first. But when he does take his opponents down, he uses the ground and pound to his advantage. So it's kind of one of those fights where if Gomez can take Aaron's down, which I think it won't be too hard, I'm going to go Gomez. Um, but if it's standing, I'm going to go Aaron's. I just, I don't, I think Gomez is going to try to use his takedowns and I think he's going to get Aaron to the floor. So I think I'm going to go Gomez by decision. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown. And it's hard to judge a fight like this where both guys are making their UFC debut. Yes. Um, and there's not, you got to really search the internet to watch these guys fight, right? So from what I've seen, William Gomez, the Jaguar, he looks just to be – both guys don't impress me in in one area. Like, it's not like, oh, he's a crazy, crazy good striker. He's a crazy good wrestler. There's kind of – they got out there things are good at, you know. Um, but if I had to compare, I think Gomez is just the better fighter. And I know that's a real basic breakdown. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think he gets the win. Whether it's decision or not, I don't know. I mean, he's got a lot of knockouts on his record, right? So I don't, I don't know. Whereas, um, Jarno, he kind of has went to decision in his wins, and he's lost by like knockout submissions. So both cool prospects to watch. I don't necessarily care for it being a main card fight, but like UFC just added this like today. Yeah. So thanks yeah. UFC for that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I will agree with you, Tori. I'm going to go Gomez as well. Perfect. So the next fight on this card, Nazrat Hackpress versus John McAdessey. 
Tori, who do you have in this fight? Okay, this fight. Oh, okay. It really depends on the judges. I don't see it being a finish. Um, it might be. If it were to be a finish, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna say his first name because, or Hack Hack Press, I believe Hack Press. <laughs> if it is a finish, I'm gonna go Hack Press by knockout. Don't necessarily think he will get it though. Um, for this fight, I mean, Macdassie's 18, seven and zero, nine and two with knockouts, zero one submissions. He's been four and one in his past five fights. His last fight was a win by split decision, and then we have Nasrat who is. 13 and five, two and three in his last fights, nine and one with knockouts and zero and one with submissions. Um, when it comes to his past two fights, talking about Nazareth, with Bobby Green, he really had troubles with Bobby Green's volume. And it just ultimately led to Bobby Green getting the win by decision that night. And when it came to Dan Hooker, he had a real big problem with his wrestling. And so I have it written down. I've marked Dusty by decision. But I, if there was, like I said before, there was to be finish, I'll go Nasrat. Mark Dusty is just a good striker. He has good takedown defense. He's a lot more technical than Nasrat is. He mixes it. He mixes his hands and his kicks very well. Um, he is coming off of a longer layoff, a year and a half. So we'll see. He did have leg surgery because he is 37 years old, which is a little, like, a little sketchy, a little scary. Um, but lands a really, really good amount of significant strikes. I mean – you look at all of his fights the amount of significant strikes this man throws is crazy and he's always out striking his opponents Nasrat overall just has the power advantage I think that's kind of the biggest thing that he has here he has good pace and he is a high volume striker but I just kind of see Mike Desi picking him apart throughout the three rounds and just almost taking this by points just in and out in and out and yeah I mean if he could mix in a little wrestling which I don't think he will he could it's it's going to be a problem for Nasrat. So I think we'll go Mike Desi. So your final, final, final lock-in is Mike Desi. Oh, but when you say it like that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, like, it's hard because it's just the power or the points. Like, I don't know. If Nasrat can land a shot, I think it's going to go down. But if he doesn't, then I'm going to go decision. I'm very much. I guess, what are you more confident in that will happen? What do you think what probability is higher yeah. than um, the other when i was doing my research just i was more confident in mac desi but now as i'm talking about it out loud i am more confident in nasarat so i'm gonna go nasarat by knockout i'm okay. changing my, i'm changing my thing there you go all right yeah. so yeah you know nasarat he's a really good striker has a lot of power when he finds his rhythm he is really really good he averages over five strikes per minute uh, has a good 78% takedown defense. He has lost the two uh, hard fights. And I think your breakdowns of how he lost those fights are perfect. Bobby Green volume, Dan Hooker wrestling. I mean, yes. couldn't have been said better. He really couldn't handle that, right? John is a very, very similar fighter to Nazrat. He's a good striker. He has a lot of power. Even better takedown defense, 89%. John's a little more technical, a little more smarter with his punches. Um. Unlike Nazrat, who kind of just does with a lot of power, has a lot of good counter strikes, whatever. John is getting older. He's a little shorter. His reach is a four-inch reach disadvantage. Uh, his last fight was in 2021. It was a win. And his last fight before that was a loss in 2020. 
And I'm not the guy to like look at paper. I literally was just hating about looking at paper earlier. But on paper, the thing is, these guys are so similar stylistically. Where where they are different in how they strike, just because they're both good strikers doesn't mean they strike the same. Like I said, Nazareth's like you said, he's done with a lot of power. Uh, he looks for counter strikes, but John's more of a technical striker. He's those a little smarter. Um, but like looking at it just on paper, I gotta go Nazareth. And then I think that Nazareth's stylistic like fighting will be harder for John than John's will be for Nazareth, if that made sense. So I go Nazareth here, and I'm pretty confident in him winning. Um, I could see it maybe going to decision, but I do think he would finish it. Yeah, yeah. That's where, as I was talking, because I was I was pretty confident in my pick, and then as I was talking about out loud, I was like, wait, like I I forgot about the knee surgery and then the layoff, and I was just like, I was like, oh, maybe not. And I was like, Nazareth just has a lot of power, and sometimes that really just affects these older guys, and they start to lose their chin, especially if he's had this long of a layoff, he hasn't been in there for a while, and going against a guy like Nazareth isn't really any help for Mm -hmm. him at all. It's not even. It's like, oh, here you go, boom. Like, just power, right. like, literally. So, I'm going to have to go with power over technique on this one. And that's not something I actually usually do, but I'm going to go with Nazareth. There you go. Knockout. So, we're second both round. agreeing knockout second round. Very, from not very sure to very confident. <laughs> yes. Um, so, on to the next fight. Alessio D. Chirica versus Roman Kopilov. Tori, I'll throw it over to you. Give me a breakdown on this fight. All right. We have D. Chir- Ch- Chirico. Who is 13 and six, um, six and one with knockouts, four and one, four and one with submissions, one and four in his past five fights. And then we have Kopilov, who is eight and two. Um, his last fight, he did lose by unanimous decision. He's seven and oh with knockouts, oh and one with submissions, and three and two in his last fights. This is the fight I am looking forward to, at least, least looking forward to, I should say. Both of these fighters don't have a lot of output they don't really let their hands go I'm not going to compare it to Izzy but it's they're almost like point strikers they never really get in into it as much um Dietrico just very not active in fights he kind of just stands there and he has okay wrestling when he needs to use it um Kabilov the same never you never really see him let his hands go almost makes for a boring fight I mean just this two they never really get into it, if that makes sense. Kopilov is a good kickboxer. Like, once again, does have low output. He does pick his shots. But when he does get going, he throws some good combos. He's in and out. More entertaining, I would say, than D. Chirico. Um, not a great ground game, but he is more technical. Overall, it's kind of hard to say. If D. Chirico does mix in his wrestling... I can see him winning this fight by decision because um, he definitely does have the capability to hold Kapilov down. But I just, I think it might go to the floor and I think D. Jericho takes it by decision. He's overall just the better mixed martial artist of the two. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown. And if you listen to the first episode, you'll hear me say this a million times. I love fighters who are really, really good wrestlers that like to strike instead of wrestling. And that's Dietrico, right? You know, he has really good kickboxing. He likes to keep pressure, but he also averages a little over one takedown a fight. 83% takedown defense, 11 takedowns in 10 UFC fights, right? 
So he likes to strike a lot. You know, he likes to throw good low kicks, good high kicks, whatever. But he also has that wrestling, like you said, Tori, right in his back pocket. Um, and I just think he has a really good cage fighting combo um, mixture of styles, right? You look at Roman, who he's also a very good kickboxer. He also has really good power. He doesn't throw with a lot of volume, uh, but he picks it up as the fight kind of starts, uh, gets good counter strikes, throws really good combos. He kind of p- figures you out, Piotr Jan-esque style. Um, he doesn't look the best on the ground. He was taken out twice in uh, his UFC losses, but he still averages an 83% takedown defense, which I think is important. And I think Roman might be the better striker because I, I tend to lean more towards the technical guy. I agree. Um, But as far as, like you said, everything, I have to go Alessio here because he he's not a bad striker. He's a good striker. Yeah. Uh, he's just not as good as Roman, but he has that wrestling. So... You know, if he needs to resort to wrestling, he can, and that's what would help him get the, the decision one. So I'm also yeah. going to go Alessio DiCirico here. Yeah, and for this fight, it's also just another one of those kind of pick em fights. I mean, if the fight does stay standing and DiCirico doesn't use his wrestling, I think Kopyalov picks him apart. But, I mean, I hope he does because that's kind of almost going to be his key to victory is pulling mm-hmm. out that wrestling. So I'm just me hoping that he is going to bring out his wrestling in this fight. I'm going to go with Dietrich by decision. Yeah, there you go. And I actually think this fight can be more entertaining than you talked it up to be. Yeah. I mean, I guess from a breakdown standpoint, it does sound like it could be boring. But I mean, if these guys get into a kickboxing fight, yeah, it could be very entertaining to watch. So yeah, but yeah. We're, both going with the, we're both going with the Lacio here. Yes. Cool. So on to the co-main event, Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. Vittori? Tori. Vittori. I know. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Give me your breakdown on this co-main fight. All righty. So we all know the Reaper. We all know Robert Whitaker. He is one of my favorite fighters. Um, Just because I say this all the time on my lives, I have a soft spot for soft people. That's always how it works. So I have the softest spot for Robert Whitaker. 24 and 6. Um. 10 and two with knockouts, five and one with submissions, three and two in his last five fights. Those two losses being to the champ, Israel Adesanya. And then we have Marvin Vittori, 18, five and one with one no contest, two and no with knockouts, nine no submissions, four and one in his last five fights. That one loss also being to the champ, Israel Adesanya. Going into this fight, I have Robert winning by a decent amount. Meaning, saying this because, it, but it also depends on what Robert we get in this fight. I'm hoping we get the old dog Robert. I'm hoping we get the aggressive one. You never know, but I'm praying that the old Rob comes back. Vittori's, as we all know, we saw in the last fight, his strong point is the ground game. It's wrestling and it's jujitsu. He couldn't take Izzy down. I mean, it's very hard to take Izzy down. He attempted. Um, he didn't even really use it in that fight we saw with Costa at... 205 he I believe attempted one or two takedowns but it was a mainly striking match that he ended up winning so striking is definitely improving Robert has such good takedown defense he's very hard to control if you get him down it's very hard to keep him there um overall he is the better striker he has such good volume and when it comes to throwing his punches mix up his movement a lot it's always moving around kind of hard to catch um and yeah I mean he's just he's 
an aggressive striker and he has that five round cardio, which I know this is only three, but that's definitely going to be to his advantage. And when it comes to Vittori, this man has a brick head. He just doesn't, he just doesn't fall. It's insane. I've seen him once um, where I live at the local UFC gym. Huge. This, this man is so big. Like it's crazy. Has a chin for days. I mean, hopefully throughout this fight has diverse takedowns has definitely improved with his striking as we saw in the Costa fight in order to win this fight. I think he needs to attempt to take Robert down. I think he almost needs to make it a boring fight to win this fight. I don't think he's going to be able to get him down and keep him down because especially Vittori, Robert's already hard to keep down. Vittori has struggles keeping people on the floor. And so I just think overall, Robert just has the upper hand on a lot of stuff. I think he's going to pick him apart. I just think, especially on the feet, and I don't think Vittori's going to have as much success as he would like on the ground. And so I'm going to have Robert, um, just because Vittori just never goes down, I'm going to say decision again. I'm going to have Robert by decision just because I don't see him finishing Vittori. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown. Uh, you know, you talk about Robert Whitaker who you, you want the old uh, Robert Whitaker is what you said, which the old Robert is just unpredictable. You know, he might throw low volume, just maybe low kicks and not really coming. And then he's a headhunter and he's just going for knockouts, right? And you also mentioned his only losses since 2014 are to the last style bender. So like, he's really, really good. But something that has really changed about Robert that I want to talk about his first 14 UFC fights, he had four takedowns total. In his last four UFC fights, he's had 10. It's insane. It's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, wrestling is a huge thing that he's added to his game. He was always a great striker. He's arguably a better striker each fight, but now he has that wrestling. Yeah. And he also has the cardio, which is really important for him getting the win. Uh Marvin's the opposite, right? So he's a really, really good wrestler, averages two takedowns to fight, 76% takedown defense, but has slowly gotten better at striking. And you talked about this dude's chin. I mean, he's never been knocked out in MMA, not even outside the UFC. Any fight he's ever fought, he's never been knocked out. Um, even versus Paula Costa, where Paula Costa landed 50 more strikes um, than Vittori. Um and Vittori only attempted one takedown, right? So the thing that worries me, right, is Vittori's kind of becoming this better striker, and it causes him to want to strike more. But wrestling is his key to win, especially in this fight. For sure. But I think he likes to get into these striking battles. If you get into a striking battle with Robert Whitaker, you're not winning. His cardio is better. His striking is better. And he... And even if he does try to wrestle, I think that Robert Whitaker can handle the wrestling. I think he can keep it without getting on the ground. And if it gets on the ground, like you said, dude, it's hard to keep down. And he's only gotten better at wrestling. Yeah. So at first, do you hear a dog? There's a dog barking outside. Um, but, not. Uh, you know, at first it was a hard fight to judge for me um, because I really like Marvin Troy a lot. I really do. Yeah. But you know the deeper I dive in it's pretty easy like it's a pretty I'm very very yeah. confident if I was betting I'd throw the money down I think this Robert is my Whitaker. lock yeah I'm gonna have to agree with you I think this is like I don't bet either not old enough but mm -hmm. I think this is my locked in um 
pick for the night um i was reviewing this fight and before i was like oh this could be like a good matchup but the more i dove deeper and deeper and the more i rewatched some of their past fights robert just really has the upper hand and i think robert is one of those fighters that is underrated i mean mm-hmm. he wins over kelvin gaslam who wins over yo romero cannoneer darren till i mean it's just it's it's crazy i this man he's amazing just it's one of those unfortunate situations where he's the max hallway of the division the dustin Poirier of the division um it sucks because he's just he's just this the colby covington just the second best in the world mm-hmm. and so yeah the more i dove deeper and deeper into this fight the more it did become one-sided for me i just i think if marvin tries to mix in those takedowns robert definitely can handle it like you said wrestling getting is getting a lot better takedown defense is amazing and you just don't want to strike with him because he's not going to stop and he's not going to get tired and he's definitely going to output a lot of damage. So I'm going to go Robert. And I, like I said, I don't see Vittori getting knocked out. So I'm going to go by, I'm going to go by UD. I'm going to get a little specific unanimous decision. There you go. I, uh, I know we didn't plan to talk about this, but I'm kind of interested. What does this fight do for either fighter? Because these guys are both so high ranked and they both just lost to Israel multiple times. So it's like, it's kind of like you talked about the Colby Covington situation, right? The Dustin, the Max Holloways. They're at that spot where what do they do? And especially, I think we're both picking Robert. What does a win for Robert do in the UFC right now? I mean, saying if Alex wins, if Alex, I mean, if you never know if Alex Pierre wins the rematch, another title shot. I always, I like, I literally always say this, but it's almost just always feels like those fights, like who's still in it? Who can still beat the top contenders? I think Robert, just because that fight with Izzy, people, I thought Izzy won, but people did argue that Robert won their second fight. He looked great. I mean, he didn't get Uh beat up in that fight. It wasn't a dominant win at all, by no means. Um, Vittori, more so, yeah. It That fight was just kind of, Izzy won. It was just not like, just he kept trying to take him down, just wasn't having success. And whenever he was striking, Izzy was just outlanding. Whereas Robert gave Izzy a little bit more problems on the feet. Uh And so... It's just who's the second best in the world, I guess. Like, like I don't even know because Izzy's so dominant. It's literally like I always say, who's still in the fight? Right. Who can still compete with the top contenders? Who's the second best in the division? Because the, obviously these two aren't better than the style bender. So it's almost like they should have a little belt for number two ranked contender. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sucks, but it's like the number two contender championship because there's really nothing either of them can do or they're going to have to wait longer. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's very hard to tell uh, with this fight, but I'm definitely picking Robert Whitaker here. I think he is just way better. And I think this fight can be really awesome. If it's striker it versus striker, this fight will be so, so awesome. And if it becomes like a wrestling fight where they're just trying to get it by decision, it can be really boring. But, and I love wrestling. Don't get me wrong. I love my wrestling. But it has the potential to be a high-level striking match. Yeah, just imagine these two just standing banging yeah. in the pocket. I think that could happen, actually. I do, too. I think Vittori could just be like, F it, and just boom, boom. Blood everywhere. Shots. Like, swelling. And, yeah, the yeah. more, I'm low-key hoping that Vittori, even though he might lose, dude, come on and strike. Like, come on and strike with some right. I want to see a very entertaining fight. And that would be very, very entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. Both of them, Robert Whitaker, though, one thing really quick, his chin. It's a little thing I am a little, It's a little suspect. A little suspect in the fight. If Vittori yeah. does land a big shot, it's a little bit scary. Yeah. But that's with everyone. 
I mean, you know, but what? I'm still going Whitaker. Strong. I'm going I'm Whitaker too. Yeah, I'm very excited for this fight. Another fight that I'm not, I'm excited for, but I'm not excited for because it, it pains my brain to even it hurts me process yeah. this fight because Cyril Gon was my favorite heavyweight mm-hmm. until I knew who Tai Tuivasa was, and then Tai Tuivasa was my favorite heavyweight, and now they're fighting each other, so I don't know what to do. But yeah. Tori, I will throw it over to you. What is your breakdown and prediction for the Paris main event? All right. So obviously we have Cyril Gon, who is 10 and one, just had his recent loss to Francis Nurmagomedov um, in the octagon. Anyways, I'm excited for this fight. I mean, Gon 4-0 with knockouts, 3-0 with submissions, 4-1 in his last fights. Then we have Tuivasa, 15-3, 14-1 with knockouts, meaning only one of his wins was not by a finish um zero and oh and one with submissions and then five and oh in his past five fights all by knockout this fight i just it's almost like hard to talk about it because you put the two most different heavyweights and in the ways that they're successful if that makes any sense these two are extremely successful in two completely different ways and so we have gone who is a big favorite. I believe he is the biggest favorite on the card. Um, Super, super fast. Stays on the outside of the octagon. Very, very good in and out game. Such good footwork. Almost like he's dancing inside the octagon. Pretty good takedowns. An amazing, amazingly technical striker. Um, Very hard to hit. Is, like I said, always moving around. Such good fight IQ. Almost reminds me of like Alexander Volkanovsky or um, a GSP, just the fight IQ, just knowing where to go on the feet. Um, just all, all very, very good at not getting hit. And not even like he's running, just very good at using his distance and moving in and out. And then we have Tai Tuivasa. Schwangin bang Tai Tuivasa, the man who just throws. And I love Tai. He is my far, my favorite heavyweight ever. Such good volume. And he's pretty pretty fast for his size I mean he moves around pretty good and very powerful he throws in which he's been mixing a little bit more he throws in some good kicks whenever he's standing and banging with people he's gotten sharper with his punches he's gotten less brawly a little bit more technical a little bit um good jab and over like very strong very strong power overhands not great takedown defense great chin but he has gotten cracked before. But when I say he has gotten cracked, I mean he has gotten cracked by Derek Lewis and Greg Hardy. So, yeah, the biggest thing is the cardio, I think. We have not seen Ty in five rounds. We have not even seen him go close to five rounds. Um, he does tend to slow down. The thing he's going to want to do is he's going to want to close the distance, and that's also going to be a problem because – I think Gon might try to take him down. And if Gon takes him down, I think he's going to have success taking him down. I think he's going to be able to hold him down and throw him some ground and pound. But all that said, Gon's going to have to survive the first round. He's going to have to survive that. And that's going to be very hard to do with Tatooine Pasta. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown. Uh, you know, Cyril Gon is the most technical heavyweight I've ever seen. You know, some people might be, oh, what about Francis Nagano? Francis... No. no, Francis yeah. Nagano is known for his power, and he is technical. I'm not doubting that, but he's a power heavyweight. Cyril Gaon is strictly, strictly, strictly technical, and 
He's just good overall. He has good technique. He has good power. He also has good wrestling, but is his wrestling a little suspect after his last fight with Francis? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. When um, you have Francis on top of you, I don't even know if I can tell him if anyone yeah. can do anything. I don't know if Superman right. can do anything. It's scary. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but, you know, you talked about his footwork. You talked about his amazing cardio. He His style is he goes in and out, right? He's he's controlling the cage. He goes in. He goes out. Uh, he has a five to two striking differential, which just means if people don't know what that means, for every two f- strikes his opponent throws, he throws five. It's a pretty crazy stat. Um, tied to Avasa. He reminds me of my favorite fighter of all time. Guy who signed that shirt right there, Chuck Liddell. He isn't crazy good. He isn't very technical at anything. He's just an amazing cage fighter. I don't know how else to to describe him except just good at cage fighting. I'm not... I'm not just saying he's fighting, a, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bar fighter. There's a distinct difference between your Chuck Liddell and your bar fighters, right? I'm just saying he's just kind of just goes in there and he can really brawl well. I, if I had to break him down, he's a heavy-handed boxer. That's how I'd break him down. Yeah. Heavy-handed boxer likes to mix in kicks. He has good speed. He has good volume in his recent fights. On top of his knockout power, his kicks are great with his jab. But the best thing is his chin. And you talked about, you know, he's got some cracks. He's got some cracks in that cement dome of his, you know. But that shoey brain. Yeah, he hasn't been knocked <laughs> out yet, though. So no. it's so hard to break down. But Ty is always live for a knockout, right? He's always live all the time. Round one, round two, round five. I don't care. Dude, if he's still in the fight, he's got he's got a chance to knock him out. Ty's got a six inch reach advantage. On top of how Ty likes to work distance, you mentioned that Ty could take it to the ground, or that Ciaran could take it to the ground. He absolutely could, or he could really just keep it on the fight and maintain distance, or on the yeah. ground and maintain distance. And I could see that happening even more. I'm gonna be cheering for Ty so hard when Ty comes in and lands a punch. I'm going to be so oh, excited, one thousand percent. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I really do think the obvious pick is. Cyril Gaon. I really think Cyril Gaon is that much better um, than Ty. And it stinks because I really like Ty. Uh, but Cyril Gaon being in like the heavyweight division is going to be very hard for anybody um, to yes. beat. And if he ran it back with Francis, I think he beat him. So, yeah. Hot take maybe, but yeah. I do. No, I, yeah, it's not at all. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so hard because the difference is, is, Ty can be a champion, but Cyril Gaon has the ability to be a defending champion, if mm. that makes sense. Makes like, a lot of sense. Just because Cyril, when it comes down to power, it's almost, Ty reminds me of like a Masvidal or a Diaz in this division. Very exciting, very exciting, but just not the most technical. And it's just, when it comes, like you can get your knockouts, you can get your finishes, but when it comes to the top in the division, you can't rely on that, especially when you have a heavyweight that moves like a welterweight, that moves like a lightweight, that moves so quick and that is constantly in and out. It's it's hard not to pick Cyril, just be his technique goes such a long way in this fight and it just scares me a lot. I don't necessarily think Cyril's going to knock him out. Actually, going back, we haven't seen Ty in five rounds. I don't see Cyril knocking Ty out. I see Ty getting tired 
and almost mm-hmm. not giving up, but just getting really tired. And Sarah was kind of picking him apart and just leading to a finish. Yep. Um, that makes sense. Like, like a knockout, but not like an insane. I just see Ty kind of getting tired as fight goes on. But you never know. This could be Ty could have completely changed his training camp around, especially because it is five rounds. It's such a harder thing. He could clip zero for all we know. Yep. I mean, Ty was in there swinging and banging with Derek Lewis. It's insane. But I mean, when you see how one side that Lewis fight was with Gone. I just, there's no, it's hard not to pick him. Yeah, so, yeah. it is. And the thing about Cyril Gotten is I think he's okay with winning by decision, which is yeah. so weird in heavyweight because these guys are finishers. Every time I predict yeah. a heavyweight fight, I say, well, no matter who you pick, pick him by knockout. Not yeah. this fight. Um, I mean, if you're going to pick Tai Tuivasa, pick him by knockout because that's how he wins. He won't win by decision. Um, but yeah, Cyril Gotten is this, like you said, he's, He's just that. He's so yeah. he could be a defending champ, right? Um, yeah. and I think it's gonna be hard, especially versus Ty. And it really does stink for Ty. I looked at him today, a picture of him. I kind of thought maybe you know his camp's a little different. He really didn't look like he's still got that big belly of his. So I'm like those iconic. I don't know, dude. I really don't. I'm gonna be cheering for Ty. Um probably lose all my vocal cords screaming for him. Another thing I was going to mention was I could see Cyril Gaon maybe getting a submission win. I don't know if that's crazy to think, but you mentioned how Ty uh, would get tired throughout the fight. He might get sloppy and Cyril might headlock. That's uh, a very good point. Go yeah, that's a really like that. that's a really good point. I because, didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah Ty, well, whether Ty's tired or not, I think he's got that dog in him where he's just going to keep coming forward and trying to oh, strike because yeah. that's how he has to win. And I could see him getting sloppy, coming in, getting caught, submitted. Not saying I think it'll happen, but it could happen. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I see zero round submission, zero round finish. Tied to Ubasa knockout, right? But I yeah. really don't see Tied to Ubasa knocking him out. And if yeah. he does, I'm going to be so excited next Wednesday for our yeah. podcast, and I'm going yeah. to be waking up all the neighbors when I do it. For sure, and. Ty, I mean, we don't, we haven't seen him do five rounds. You never yep. know; this man could come and surprise us all yeah do five rounds and perform very well i i I pray he does i mean it's (laughs) same it's just my heart is going wants ty but my head to cyril but then again i like cyril so i'm it's almost like i'm not mad about someone's at the front door (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) anyways um it's almost like i don't care who wins i care who loses like i don't want any of them to lose but i'm fine if either of them win i just don't want to see anything so it's hard yeah so that's all of our breakdowns for UFC Paris this Saturday. I don't know the exact times because they're in Paris, but like it starts like during the day where I'm at in Ohio. So um, yeah, I'm very excited for this card. I don't know why people don't like it. Like I saw a lot of people on Twitter who aren't excited for this card. I think there's a lot of haters prelims through the main card, but Hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, But good show. We're ending it with our top five list tori you pick this one out i don't know you call it top five heartthrobs i call it top five nice guys whatever sweethearts whatever you want to call them yeah so you're you know mma you know to the outsider is the toughest sport these guys are tough mean who are the nice guys in ufc uh, or girls and that's kind of what this list is so tori give me your top five sweethearts in the ufc Alrighty, at number five, I have Glover Texera. 
he's just like a big teddy bear. Like, I just want to hug him. I mean, he just seems like so nice. I don't know. That one's that. Number four, we have Zhang Weili. This girl, I don't know if you have seen it, but there's a video of Idra Adesanya signing a poster. And she's like, hello, hello. Like, she's like trying to get his attention. She's like, oh, she like taps him off. She's like, excuse me. And she's just the sweetest little sweet thing in the world. Like the most, when Joanna Young Jacek was like offending her and just saying all this stupid stuff, she just, she's like, we'll see. And she's just a little sweetheart. Number three, Robert Whitaker. I mean, if you've seen the picture of him on the pool, pool floaty, how could you, how could you not pick Robert? How could you not pick Robert Whitaker? He's just, he's always on his best behavior. He's just always nice. Number two, the NMF, uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. Sometimes he's, I'm like, he's like so nice. I'm like, like, is this, like, is this real? Is this fake? I don't know. But he just, just seems like such a cool guy. Number one, I always say my favorite. He is top three, my favorite fighters. He's my probably third. Brandon Moreno. He holds a specialist place in my heart because this man collects Legos and Funko Pops and he is an interim flyweight champion of the world in mixed martial arts fighting in a cage and this man collects Legos and builds them and I just think he's awesome and amazing and just at his after when he won the championship against Figueredo for the first time that that speech was just oh and so he's my number one he's a little baby. Yeah, really good list. I'm pretty upset I didn't put Brandon Moreno on my list, so I guess I give him honorable mention. Um, but I, I, dude, he is so nice, bro. Lego champ, right? Like, yeah, he is so literally. nice. I don't know why I didn't put dude on the list. Um, but my top five, I got Holly Holm at number five. Definitely sweetest female fighter to ever touch the cage. I mean, she's just yeah. very, very nice. I'd be very happy to bring her home to my parents. Yeah. And I wouldn't be worried, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, then, awesome. yeah. Then you mentioned my number four, Robert Whitaker. No explanation. Dude is yeah. very nice. We've seen him be mean, but yeah, I mean, overall, yeah. nice dude outside of the cage. Uh, number three, I have my goat GSP. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, to be so dominant and just like not, not really thing. ever be that mean. Yeah, kind of crazy. He's also got the karate background, which goes yeah. to my number one. Uh, but number two, I have Dominic Cruz. Uh, Dominic Cruz was also a very dominant fighter who wasn't always very mean. And even after fights, he's always super, super respectful, like overly respectful. I'm like Dominic, yes. chill, bro, uh, to his fighters. Yeah. And number one, I took Thompson as well. This is the karate dudes. It's like they learn karate. Yeah. And then, I mean, I watch yeah, Cobra Kai. Yeah. And they're very yeah. mean to each other on Cobra Kai. Yeah. And that show is exactly like the real world, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, Wonder Boy, I mean, dude is very nice. And my number one. Uh, so that's top five, sweetheart, night skies, heartthrobs, whatever you want to call them. That's yeah. our top five. The little, the nicest people, the NMFs of the UFC. Right. Nicest, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say that word, but yeah. Right. <laughs> so that is concluding episode three of the not your everyday mma podcast if all goes right which i should have said this at the beginning but if all goes right this podcast will be on podcasting platforms as for all of our podcasts uh from this point we're going to be uploading them on there so i'm very excited about that uh you know a lot of you guys wanted it so we're giving it to you also appreciate the views go check out the last episode we talk about a lot uh that really helps like understand us as uh analysts in ufc so 
definitely check that out. We're almost at 200 subs, so help us get that 200 sub mark. Uh, And, yeah, we appreciate your comments. Uh, We look at them all, so definitely continue to comment too. So, yeah, now that all the promotion is out of the way, that is the end. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy UFC Paris as much as Tori and I will. But that has been episode three of Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. My name is Alex Henry, and I was joined with Tori Haberl. Thank you, guys. Signing off. Bye-bye.